0: Welcome, everyone, to Family Talk. It's a ministry of the James Dobson Family Institute, supported by listeners just like you. I'm Dr. James Dobson, and I'm
1: thrilled that you've joined us.
0: Welcome to Family Talk. I'm Roger Marsh. Thank you for joining us for today's powerful program, which was recorded during the 50th annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. this past January. As you know, Roe v. Wade may have already been overturned, but the fight for life is far from over. The pro-life movement is still marching strong, especially on high school and college campuses nationwide. Our guest today here on the program is a dear friend of our ministry. Her name is Kristen Hawkins. Kristen serves as president of Students for Life of America and Students for Life Action, which is dedicated to abolishing abortion through training and education. The Students for Life Action Group puts on the National Pro-Life Summit the day after the March for Life each year in D.C. Kristen is also a political activist, an author, and And a speaker. She served on the Republican National Committee and as a presidential appointee in the Department of Health and Human Services during the George W. Bush administration. Later on, while Donald Trump was running for office, Kristen served on his pro-life advocacy council. Kristen Hawkins has dedicated her life to protecting the pre-born. She is married to Jonathan and together they have four kids, Gunner, Bear, Maverick and Gracie. On today's program, Kristen will share with us about where we are in the fight for life after the overturning of Roe versus Wade. She'll also share some of the battles we still need to fight as well. Let's join our own Dr. Tim Clinton right now along with Kristen Hawkins right here on Family Talk.
1: Kristen, Dr. Dobson, his wife, Shirley, have such regard for you and the Mm -hmm. Students for Life movement that's taking place. Um, uh, Just wanted to say uh, thank you for what you're doing.
2: That means a lot. Uh, I certainly hold uh, Dr. Dobson Shirley such high esteem. I every time I get a chance to see them, I don't know if they recognize me, but I'm the one attacking them, asking for hugs and pictures. So, um, and that that means a lot to me. Thank
1: you. Yeah, Kristen, we are in Washington D.C. It's the National March for Life, 50th anniversary of the march. We're now in a post Roe era. Yep. Today's a special day. I think um, yes. really meaningful to you.
2: Yeah, and I think. God was smiling with us today. He gave us this gorgeous day and sunshine. I always, I mean, I've been coming to the march for 20 Freeza years, I always sometimes. say it's God's punishment. It's windy, <laughs> rainy, snowy. Sleeping. One year it rained, sleeted, and snowed all in the course of like five hours. My my poor staff all got pneumonia after passing our, our you know 15,000 plus signs today it was sunny 50 it was unbelievable there's a women's March the actual day of the rover uh, anniversary which is Sunday and it's gonna be rainy and I hope it's treacherous for them out there um, and uh, you know it's uh, we really deserve to have a nice sunny beautiful day but I think that only added to the joy that was out there, the feeling on the ground. I was able to go behind the stage and then I actually went in front of the stage and uh, it was unbelievable the amount of young people, 95%. I, I was,
1: was going to say, people. I saw I am the pro-life generation signs like I had never seen before. Oh, yeah. I they mean, bring them back. The, the mall was crazy. I mean, it was just yeah. wild. But that generation, they, yeah. they call themselves the pro-life generation. Mm-hmm. Kristen, you had Students for Life. Tell us what's happening with this yeah. group.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the responsibility, you know, we're so excited to be here, but now the responsibility really is on our shoulders. It's, it's a responsibility that I'm taking very seriously. It's why the summit, the National Policy Summit is just so important because this is the generation that now, you know, we've become that first post-Roe generation. And the question is, what do we do now? You know, phase one, objective one, check, you know, Roe thrown into the yeah, marched, uh, to the action. Everybody marched
1: to overturn Roe. Yeah. 50 years. Yep.
2: Now we march because we wanted to, Legislation protection at conception. We we were out there today. Our team was changing the chants because hey 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 Roe v Wade's got to go. No longer applies. And so I was panicked last night. What was the chant going to be? So it was one two three four. Something is over. Then five, six, seven, eight. Now it's time to legislate. Like we think they, they came up with some rhyme. Like Roby Wade has gone away. You know, five, six, seven, eight. It's time to legislate. They have some kind like, of cool rhyme. And I was like, get out there because that's why you know the the march route changed this year. It, it's going up a Constitution, then it did across the mall, up Independence, and basically it was ending near the Supreme Court. But the idea was to end and you know right in by, yeah facing the Capitol, yes. telling these legislators, uh, these elected. Who, for so many years, you know, have checked that box saying they're pro-life. You know, now is the time to step up. You've got to do. You know, it's it's not in this post-pro era. It's not enough to just say you're pro-life. It's what are you actually going to do about? What is the vote you're going to force? how are you going to vote? What bills are you going to co-sponsor? And that's not just in Capitol Hill. That's also now the states, because with the Dobbs decision, you know, we now know and the Supreme Court now says states can weigh in to protect these pre-born citizens in their states as well. So it's the job of everybody, federal and state legislators. No one's getting out getting a pass now anymore.
1: Yeah. Kristen, you know, June 24th, uh, the day that Mm -hmm. will go down in history. Where were you and what were you thinking?
2: Uh, I was at the Supreme Court, and I was the person who announced to the world the decision for all the TV cameras.
1: (laughs) That is extraordinary.
2: It was unplanned. Uh, We had been at the Supreme Court every decision day since the end of March waiting for the decision. I told our team, under no circumstances will this decision come down, and the pro-life generation isn't out there cheering it. So we had been out there for three months. We camped out the night before because by the time we got to June 24th, we were like, all right, this is really happening. There's like two more days left in the the Supreme Court session. Uh, So we were there. We had a, a massive rally of student leaders. The decision came down. Our executive vice president, Tina Whittington, handed me the phone. I'm in front of the podium cheering, getting everyone ginned up. And I start reading the decision. The Supreme Court does not uh, confer, there is no right to abor- uh, abortion in the Constitution. Uh, and, you know, I immediately got sworn by every TV camera in America. Uh, and um, it was uh, that an incredible. It gives feeling. me chills. It gives it me chills because it was not, um, there was no like pre planning, like, okay, when the decision comes <laughs> down, you, and the funny thing is, I'm a planner. Like, I'm always planning things, like, if this happens, and I don't know, we were just so like ginned up trying to keep the pro-abortion people from hurting our staff and we had you know all of these like security guards surrounding us so we there was no planning um so i would like to think we had pre-planned that but it was it was a god moment. maybe god
1: had something to do with a little bit of that
2: he did you know and i I told god i was like i don't know like how do you top that god like i'm only 37 here i (laughs) um i don't know how to top that now
1: (laughs) how exciting we, um, this week, had Jeannie Mancini out uh, of the March for Life on the broadcast. We had Penny Nance come in from Concerned Women of America. We had a lot of opportunity to interact with a number of the leaders up around here. I don't think I've seen the energy like I'm seeing right now. And uh, that mindset shift that you're talking about of, yeah, this is a post-growth era of, quote, let's not just make abortion illegal, let's make it unthinkable. Mm -hmm. Let's get to that place. That's where this thing's going. And again, I want to come back to what you're doing in particular, because this Students for Life effort is really encouraging. Tell us what's happening on campuses across yeah. the country. That's a battleground right there. Absolutely. And you guys are right in the epicenter yeah. of it all. Yeah.
2: I mean, no one has more conversations every day with those directly targeted by the abortion industry than our team and our, and our 1400 Students for Life chapters in high school and college campuses. Uh, we have presences now in all 50 states. I uh, Tomorrow at the National Policy Summit, I will lay out a massive five-year campaign to launch a Students for Life presence on every four-year campus wow. across the country. It's 27 Amen. 2,700 campuses, public and private, which will be the challenges. You know, these students they have faced increased discrimination, uh, threats, uh, cyberbullying. Uh, since Roe versus Wade has been reversed, uh, you know, our general counsel we've had to bring in additional legal help. I now have to travel with bodyguards to campuses. We have full-time security wow. at our headquarters at students for our, you know, and most of our staff is never at headquarters. It's you know, the the it's our staff's out on campuses every day. And so our student safety is a huge concern for us now. Things that we've never really had to, to worry about now in this post-Roe era with the extremism of the abortion lobby, the death threat we received just recently from Jane's Revenge and uh, training we did in I was going to say, all
1: these attacks on pregnancy centers and more really heightened the awareness, I think, in the conservative and Christian community about how bad this is. That we're talking, this is going to a whole different place. I mean, these are
2: people who fundamentally believe that you should be able to kill a precious baby. You should be able to literally dismember a child or induce cardiac arrest um, because they have less value than others. Uh, the strong able to kill the weak. Um, and so uh, this is a, this is following through sadly on their ideology and this is where uh, a pro-abortion ideology leads. Um, We saw it today. There were 20 pro-abortion protesters up the Supreme Court. I went and said hello to them. Uh, They said hello back uh, very strongly, and people can go to Instagram and watch them scream and shout at me in the background. Um, but it's sad because the dehumanization of the pre-born carries off you know so far in our society and that's what our students for life groups are facing on their campuses but you know the good news is with even with all the fear-mongering the misinformation we saw spread on social media I mean instantly and the mainstream media was complicit in, in some of the, some of these things changing definitions of long-standing words for example yeah. even with all of that we' had a record number of conversations on campus this year. Uh, we're still changing 10% of the minds of the if, if pro-choice young people we talk to. We're changing 20% of the minds of those we reach online. And you're not
1: talking about people who are pregnant uh, wanting, uh, wrestling with having a baby. You're talking about Kids on campus every day pro-choice, kid. just out there trying to figure out That's whether right. they're pro-life or pro- right. pro-abortion.
2: Yeah, we will have a million conversations this year with Gen Z, and we will be changing 10 to 20% of those minds. We released a poll just yesterday with YouGov, uh, with, through our Institute for Pro-Life Advancement, and the numbers, I think, are, are stunning for so many uh, out there, how good the numbers are. I mean, this is the Gen Z, this this poll was Gen Z voter. Gen Z voters, Gen Y voters are the largest demographic voting bloc in our country, uh, at least church, the most liberal. And yet when you ask them, you tell them what Roe versus Wade is, and then you ask them if they support codifying Roe, which you know all the Democrats in the House of Representatives voted for twice in 2022, uh, they're against it, almost 60%. And this is the most liberal, least church voting block, um, So it's not all bad news, as what most people... Pro-life lead.
1: movement's winning.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a
1: long time coming, but they're absolutely. winning.
2: Absolutely, because, I mean, on the human heart, it's written to acknowledge that human beings have value and that babies are precious, you know? Pro-choice people aren't born, they're made.
1: You know what's scary? Um, Kristen, I was having this conversation with my wife, Julie. Julie... Uh, Headed up the Liberty Godparent Home mm-hmm. at yeah. Liberty yeah. and Thomas Road Church uh, for a number of years early in our marriage. But uh, mm-hmm. Julie and I were just going back and forth about how, yes, uh, since Rose been overturned, it's gone back to the States now. Mm-hmm. That's where the battleground. Uh, Is now, and some states are going rogue and insanity talking about abortion up to the birth of a child, and it's just like unconscionable to even think that way, but it's there. And what's sad is that it's just ripping the soul out of America in so many ways.
2: Yeah, I mean, what's the thing that I don't think anyone's really fully thought about, thought this through yet, and you know, I. The Biden administration's weaponized FDA, which came out two weeks ago and said that chemical abortion pills now may be sold at local pharmacies, CVS, Walgreens. I CVS. The now, I, we need to be very clear. There is a lot of confusion amongst Christians about what chemical abortion or a six is. It is not birth control. It is not plan B. The intention of these drugs are to end Preborn human life, beating hearts of children. It's an
1: abortion pill. This is
2: an abortion pill that Planned Parenthood prescribes to 11 to 12 weeks into pregnancy through the first trimester. These pills are dangerous. They have four times the complication rate of surgical abortion, 10 times the death rate of surgical abortions. 15% of the times they actually fail and leave parts of the child still within the mother. These pills are deadly, not only for a child, but they lead to injury, infertility, and death of women. And they are the drug And those are choice. the stories that,
1: they're not talking about that.
2: Oh, All no, they're no, talking about no. is
1: availability. Hey, you no. can you, here's conveniently go no. to a drugstore. But you to want to talk
2: about changing the culture? The sick feeling I get in my gut every time I go and pray in front of an abortion facility—that sickening feeling that it just sits there the entire time I'm out there—is now the sick feeling I'm going to get every time I walk into a CVS and Walgreens, and you know that they're not gonna stop with, you may distribute. The next step will be forcing all pharmacies to distribute, forcing all pharmacists to give out abortion drugs, and then it'll, they'll go to over-the-counter sales. Their job is going to be to normalize abortion, to make America well, how Europe is. The majority of abortions are in the first trimester in Europe and they're largely unprotested there. Majority of those abortions are done through pills and they're not through these standalone abortion facilities. That's where the pro-life movement must be focusing all of our time. And to be honest, that's where I'm focusing all of our time of redirecting um, our education efforts on campuses uh, to this early abortion model because you know, according to the CDC, 91.3% of all abortions take place up until the 12 weeks in pregnancy. If we're talking about passing legislation, advocating for efforts in the pro-life movement here on Capitol Hill that don't stop abortions in the first trimester, we're not doing much.
1: Our special guest today is Kristen Hawkins. She's the president of Students for Life of America. She's an author, speaker, podcast host, human rights advocate, one of the strongest voices out there in this pro-life effort. And again, we salute you and thank you again for all you're doing. Kristen, before you go, Mm -hmm. a lot of moms and dads tuned in. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are so encouraged. I'm Mm -hmm. encouraged um, by what's going on. I I, I come out of Liberty University. I spent uh, nearly uh, 35 years there. In administration and faculty and there were 11 buses mm-hmm. with 500 students that made their way up to Washington today That's right. and they're standing strong yeah. how do moms and dads get yep. in touch with and maybe encourage their son yep. or daughter to get Absolutely. involved with students yep. for life
2: go to postroadgeneration.org that is a simple website of pro for pro-life activists of all ages there's 12 Activities you can get involved with. You can start a students for life group. You can help promote nonviolent pregnancy centers in your community. That's a great way. If you know a young person who needs to get involved, maybe they just want to become a social media advocate for the pro-life movement. We can teach them how to do that. So you can go to postroadgeneration.org or go to studentsforlife.org. And I really encourage all of the listeners, no matter your age, to go to this and be, get educated yourself about the dangers of chemical abortion, what it is, and how we can stop it. Because we've got, you know, we cannot be fooled into thinking that the abortion industry, this $2 billion industry every year, is just gonna roll over since Roe versus Wade was reversed. Uh, They've been preparing for this day just like how I've been preparing for this day.
1: Yeah, they sure have. And God be with us. Say, before you go, uh, Kristen, uh, you've been on the broadcast before. We've Mm -hmm. talked often about your children. Uh Gunner and Gracie, can mm-hmm. you give us a quick update on your family, yeah. how things are going, how maybe we can continue to pray for and with you? Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, continue to pray for my family. When I'm traveling, my husband's homeschooling our four children, two of which have cystic fibrosis. I have a, a another son, Maverick, who has a neurological uh, a disorder that was diagnosed last year that affects his his uh, ability to walk. Uh-huh. But they're all doing good. They're all doing very well. We feel so blessed to live in a nation that has you know the best health care system in our world, and they have access to drugs and devices that children. Across our world, simply may never have access to. So we feel, we feel blessed. We feel honored. We actually travel the country now full time together as a family. Uh, so I can reduce my plane trips away from them, and often they come with me, and they're staying at the uh-huh. campground nearby. Um, it's it's really become a family mission, uh, and I'm 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 very hopeful that uh, that that life of mission inspires them uh, as they grow up in the trials that. That they will face uh, to always keep moving forward to be this unstoppable force.
1: Amen. Well, we will pray yeah, that God will it. continue to just embolden you, strengthen mm-hmm. you, encourage you, put his arms around your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kristen. before you go here, I wanna wrap this way. I wanna come back to this is the greatest issue and challenge of our day. Mm-hmm. And if we don't engage, if we are silent, if we are Mm. complicit in that we don't step up and have a voice god forbid Mm. when you think of 60 what 364 million babies now are gone that's serious um that's the message that god burned in your heart Mm. and i want to close out with that heart Mm. uh, and share it with uh, our listeners and Mm. challenge us uh, to go with you on this journey
2: if we fail to step up, if we fail to use this momentum that we have now, that phase one has been completed, we will never end abortion in our country. And we have to end abortion in our country. I think I, I don't have to get into all the other issues that our nation faces today, that the challenges that our young people have, that we now have a generation of young people who don't even know what their bodies are, were made for and who they were designed by and they have a lot of confusion. I mean, this is the generation that hasn't been told what a woman is, what a man is. It is scary, some of the conversations that we have on campus. The conversation I had today up on Capitol Hill, folks completely denying that there's objective morality, that there's a right and there's a wrong, completely rejecting that. Our society, our nation will not succeed with that. We can't, it's impossible. And that starts, though, moving forward by abolishing abortion, yeah. by saying, no, there's objective right, and there's objective wrong, and this is always an objective wrong. Yeah. And we must treat these vulnerable people, these smaller, weaker than, just like how we would treat our neighbor. I mean, because until we do that, we're not gonna stop the division within our country. I mean, there's so many issues that you look at the dehumanization of just, oh, well, you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, you're a leftist, you're a conservative, all the dehumanization that goes on with social media, just the nastiness that we see, it all comes back to we can't even agree that a baby in the womb is special and valuable. So we have to, I mean, for the sake of our nation, we have to save these children we have to abolish abortion
1: well down on the mall i'll tell you what it was buzzing yeah there were tens of thousands of students Mm -hmm. Uh, i think of leaders like tony dungy who hit the stage franklin graham praying over the march and marching with his daughter sissy and others all together and these organizations like students for life uh getting it done and we celebrate that good work and pray that God would continue to raise up a generation Mm. to stand boldly for life. Kristen, on behalf of Dr. Dobson, his wife, Shirley, their family and the entire family talk team, we salute you Mm. and pray that God will continue to strengthen and Mm. encourage your heart. Stay out there on that front line, bold and courageous for such a time as this. Thank you for joining
2: us. Thank you.
0: Well, there is so much more that needs to be done to protect the preborn, If you want to learn more about Kristen Hawkins or Students for Life of America, head over to our website at drjamesdobson.org forward slash family talk. Once again, that's drjamesdobson.org forward slash family talk. While you're there, you can go back and listen to any part of today's program that you might have missed. You can also share that link with someone else who would really be inspired by today's message as well. Again, you'll find that information at drjamesdobson.org forward slash family talk. You know, we have heard a lot about protecting life today. And eternal life, of course, is a gift from God. As Christians, we are called to share that message, especially now. And if you have a neighbor whom you'd like to bless this upcoming Easter season, consider giving them a life basket. Now, a life basket is a way to present a neighbor with a wonderful basket of treats and goodies and also introduce them to Jesus Christ and then invite them to enjoy the loving Christian community at your local church this Easter. If you have any questions or if you'd like more information about life baskets, just call us here at Family Talk at 877 877- or online visit lifebaskets.org. That's lifebaskets.org. Well, as spring is almost upon us, things are already starting to heat up for next year's presidential election season, if you can believe it. A great way to become more informed about current political issues and topics that could affect your family is by listening to the new podcast from the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute's Public Policy Center. It's called the Defending Faith, Family and Freedom podcast with Gary Bauer. Gary Bauer is a familiar name to many of our listeners. He's the senior vice president of public policy here at the JDFI. He shares his unique perspective on current public policies through the lens of the U.S. Constitution and an unapologetic biblical worldview. Now to start listening, just visit our main homepage at drjamesdobson.org and select the Defending Faith, Family, and Freedom podcast. Once you do that, you'll be directed to the podcast page, and from there, you can choose your favorite listening platform, such as Google, Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. Again, you'll click on the Defending Faith, Family, and Freedom podcast when you go to drjamesdobson.org. I'm Roger Marsh, and from all of us here at the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute, thanks so much for joining us today. May God's richest blessings continue to be bestowed upon you and your family as you grow in relationship with Him. And be sure to join us again next time for another edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. This has been a presentation of the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute.
1: Hello, everyone. Do you need help dealing with the everyday tasks of raising a family? I'm James Dobson here, and if you do, I hope you'll tune in to our next edition of Family Talk. Our main purpose in this ministry is to put tools into your hands that will strengthen your marriage and help you raise your kids. Hope to see you right here next time for another edition of Family Talk.